I'm Elaine Cooperman. I'm Samantha Fishbein. And I'm Jordana Abraham, and we're the founders of Betches Media. Welcome to When's Happy Hour, the podcast, where each week we interview entrepreneurs from across multiple industries to learn their stories and showcase the experience they've gained from running their own businesses. As always, we ask the questions and talk about the things that everyone wants to know but are too afraid to ask or say out loud. For more on everything you might want to know about your career, pick up the paperback version of our book, When's Happy Hour, Work Hard So You Can Hardly Work, available on May 14th. Hi, everyone. Welcome to When's Happy Hour. I'm Aileen. I'm Sammy. And today we have the most special guest we've ever had in our whole lives. No <laughs> offense to the other guests. I'm just kidding. We have Gary Vaynerchuk. Welcome. Thank you, guys. I, I, I'm definitely not kidding. Anybody who's ever been on this show before, you are now at <laughs> least the second best guest of all time. <laughs> yes. So you're the king of like just the hustle, the branded the hustle. We wrote, we wrote about this in our book about just all these people who claim that they're hustling, but <laughs> like wh- they're not. They're just posting about it. So what does it mean to be a hustler? You know, for me, it's it's funny. It's a funny word, right? I remember when I first started really using it. It's something I grew up. You know, I was a big baseball kid, and like. Pete Rose was, you know, Charlie Hustle, and like okay. it was just such a good word from coaches and things of that nature. And so in 2007, eight, when I kind of first started hitting the business scene, not the wine scene, it was a word that I spent a lot of time talking about hustle, crushing it, and the economy was terrible, and you know, it really resonated. People really, you know, galvanized towards it. You know, ironically, you're asking me this question in a time where I think the word has taken on some negative connotation, right? A lot of people are actively trying to use my name as a poster child to burn out and bad stuff around hustle, which concerns me. For me, my personal definition of it is a couple things. One, genuinely understanding that work ethic is part of the equation if you're unhappy. If you're trying to get out of something that you're not thrilled about, the extra reps in the gym matter. You know, the extra studying at night matters. And the extra hours working on your thing matter. to two, it's 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 for me. It's also kind of very closely linked to passion. When I use hustle over work ethic, it's like happy pursuit. You know, it's kind of like back to you know fitness terms. The person that's happily running for an extra thirty minutes than they normally do, getting prepped for the marathon, sweating, and they're pumped. I would hate that, really. but I can see it in their face that they're enjoying the grind. So for me, hustle is a definition of work ethic meets passion around enjoyment or the opposite, desperately trying to get out of a situation that you no longer enjoy. Um, And yeah, I I think we've gone through an era where it was glamorized and everybody tried to make pretend they were going hard, to your point. Mm -hmm. I actually think we're in the early stages of it being demonized. Um, And that's been fascinating for me to watch it evolve. So for someone who does want to work hard because either they're passionate or they really want to change their position, how can someone be, what's a question you can ask yourself to be really honest with whether you're hustling or you're wasting time or you're kind of deluding yourself about what you're really doing? You don't really know. You know, it is a post-game thing. You know, which is why I go back to are you enjoying the process? Like I love putting in hard work on something that ended up being a huge waste of time because I enjoyed it when I was doing it. I thought it was right. I thought those 15 meetings about this thing were right, Right. but then I ended up not acting on it. I mean, there's been deals I've worked on for four months that I decided to pull out at the 11th hour. Did I waste my time? Maybe in the way that that question, and a lot of people ask me questions about that, is framed up. I'll take it as I learned from it, 
you know? And I didn't know it was a waste of time at the time. Like this, you know, the biggest mistake I see in culture, or at least one of the biggest, is people trying to think they know the outcome before going through it. Gary, should I go to grad school or start this startup? I don't fucking know. Like, and nor will you. And even more interesting is once you do it, you'll never know the alternative. Mm-hmm. Maybe you go and start a $500 million company and you're like, I knew it. But maybe you would have found the love of your life at grad school. Like, right? Wh- right? I mean, like, you know, and so, like, can we just once and for all make people understand that they have no idea? that knowing what the right decision is at the time you're making the decision is humanly impossible. Mm-hmm. So something just sort of tied And real to quick, this, and yeah. I apologize, that doesn't mean you can't be thoughtful along the way, right? It doesn't mean that you can make a decision, you're doing it, and then a couple weeks in, even though three weeks earlier it seems so right, you're like, wait a minute, this feels like a waste of time, and then even if you declare to your whole world right. that you're doing this, people fear changing their mind out of judgment. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so how do you pull out of that decision? Like if you're Stop worrying about other people's opinions. Like I love declaring I'm gonna do something and then not. Mm-hmm. Like so then, I, but, <laughs> but if you're not worried about other people's opinions, could that also come off as Delusional? Rude. <laughs> rude definitely not. No. In my opinion, not the way I see it. It's okay. not like I'm rolling up on you and saying, I don't give a fuck you know, yeah. it's just not internalizing you being more right than me about me. What's the best way of approaching something like that? Like you thought this was, like you said, 11th hour pullout. Like, listen, I'm trying to think about something. There's, God, there's so, I do this so often. <laughs> and you don't feel, you don't think twice or feel bad about it? Something no, like that? No, because when I make decisions, I'm making them at that moment and things change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an important message. So many people go one way and then they. And that's real life. Like, learn something it, new. Listen, you both reacted so heavy to that point about people's opinions. Like, just because you thought nursing school was brilliant in August, if you decide in October it's not, what you're worried about is all the propaganda you created to your entire network that nursing nursing school was gonna be amazing. And here you are 100 days later changing your mind and you're worried that everybody thinks that that's a weakness or a shortcoming. I view that as a strength. Right. Even taking other people's opinions out of the equation, how do you do you ever feel self-doubt about the fact that you have made changes so many times? No, or, I do not. But I also think that's why I'm kind of an entrepreneur. Like that's my makeup. That's probably why I was a DNF student. You know, I think somebody who's a little bit more type A and a little more structured, you know, who values, if she or he values that, then I understand how their perspective is different. They may think I'm schizophrenic or crazy or, or too loose or not thoughtful or all that. I understand that. I also have 25 years professionally at this point of a lot of success predicated on my lack of fear of taking micro losses for macro wins. Mm-hmm. I look at them as micro losses. I wasted some money on nursing school and 100 days. That's a micro loss versus becoming a nurse for the next 29 years and being unhappy the whole time. Right, definitely. Yeah. Um, wait, so then you, you mentioned entrepreneur. What do yeah. you, so what do you feel like, I'm sure so many people say this, but the true like definition of entrepreneur, because it's changed, at, like every year I feel like it changes. <laughs> what do you feel like, because you, you mentioned that just now. What, what, for, what, like if she's an entrepreneur or if I'm an entrepreneur, how do you, what do you think is the main I used thing? to, you know, it's funny, in the last six months, a friend of mine, Ted, helped me with this on social recently. Like, I've changed my tone on this. I used to be very aggressive about this because I love being one, and I think that I was potentially audacious and things that I don't appreciate. 
I think, look, entrepreneurship has a very clear definition. You're working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it at that, right? right? Like my idea that you always had to sell candy and you always were that person, that's just me being on the extreme spectrum of entrepreneurship and I guess, no question, I, I take enormous pride and satisfaction that I was one in the 80s and 90s when nobody was yeah. and I got shit on for it and education was the only game and now to watch everybody lean into my thing, there's a sense of like, you know, yeah. but I think I've got to unwind that a little bit because I think it's dangerous as I have more attention to be too binary about this. It's not complicated. It, you know, entrepreneurship is you taking on all the risk and it's your thing and, uh, you know, my, there's nuances underneath it, right? Like, are, do you have a side hustle while you have a job? You know, is that entrepreneurship? Maybe if you want to define it. Like, to me, I don't think we get to define, but I think, I think that, you know, back to like, some things are facts, not opinion. Entrepreneurship has its definition in Webster's like anything else and you know, it's, it's taking on all the risk and running your own business. And So today guys, we are sponsored by Lola, which is a company that we all really love. We have them in our office, so I use them here, but I also have some at home. And basically they're like 100% organic cotton, feminine hygiene products. No added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes because who wants that inside themselves? And they work really well and you can know that you're not putting anything in your body that's bad for you. They're founded by women for women. They offer pads, liners, BPA-free plastic applicators, um, or environmentally non-applicator tampons. They also have great wipes, which are great for when you're not needing a feminine product specifically. Mm-hmm. But also what's great about this is that they come in a subscription to your door and you can customize your box, no pun intended. And I feel like I've made that <laughs> wow. pun before by accident. Um, and basically, charm. Yeah, and I feel like you, you can customize what you get in the box. So you can get tampons, you can get pads, you could get wipes. And basically they come every month and you don't have to do like a, an urgent Dwayne Reed run right. in the middle of the night. Once you realize that Aunt Flo has come to town. And most important, it works and it's not bad for you. So those are the two. Th- like for me, that's the most necessary thing that I could have in a tampon. Personally. Agreed. And as Jared Freed would say, we are giving you free money. Exactly. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter promo code WHH when you subscribe. Again, that is 40% off and all you have to do is visit mylola.com and enter promo code WHH when you subscribe. Knowing that you are prone to changing your mind, even for the right reasons, how, how would you tell someone to stay motivated with something when they have questions in their head about what they're doing and if they should really be doing it? Right. So like you're when you're in the process the, of making that. You're asking a very thoughtful question, which is, okay, if we put changing your mind on a pedestal, what, you know, or, or if it's more accepted, what about seeing things through? Right. One of my favorite questions because I think some of the biggest businesses of all time were shut down a year before they became the biggest businesses of all time. Like what? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but, let me, but, let, but let me give you an example of one that was pivoted and they didn't give up. Slack originally started as a game that was unsuccessful. Didn't yeah. know that. I do. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, had Stuart and the rest of the team given up, we wouldn't have Slack today. If you're listening to me now as a kid, you're like, oh, the game's not working. Gary says I can change my mind and you go on selling shoes. So it's a very personal question. Here's what I would say. Where this takes me is the following place. I want to be the Pied Piper for people to be more insular with their decision making. That's it. 
What does that what does that mean? Not mom's opinion, not dad's opinion, not your girlfriend's opinion, boyfriend's, best friend, random people on social media, acquaintances, idols, people you admire, you. You for you. <laughs> you for you. At but, this moment. Yeah, but they're not people don't know themselves that well. I feel like Great. We're, but even if we, time. I think that's a great point. I think that a lot of times I've historically taken things for granted that I was gifted DNA wise. It is, I am only palpable because I have self-awareness. I have such an extroverted personality that if I, if I didn't A, have good parenting and have a, and a level of equal humility to that, you know, competitive spirit, audacity, confidence, I'd be tougher to consume. Mm-hmm. But even recognizing that some people on first impact will not consume me well, allows me to be thoughtful about my adjectives, my words, how I navigate. I agree with you. But if I'm the Pied Piper of only for you, for you, inevitably the next chess step is for us to start talking more about self-awareness. Right. Do, do you feel like there were moments in your life where you were able to make bigger leaps in your self-awareness, realizing what you actually cared about so that other people can hear what those are and then like look at them for themselves? Yes, I think when I started putting out wine content and later business content, my inherent intuitive understanding that I need to read all the comments created a very intriguing internal understanding versus an external understanding even though I was consuming external feedback. Mm-hmm. By seeing myself through other people's eyes, pro, con, and indifference, it started challenging myself to even have more of an interpersonal, inner voice conversation. And I also have an ambitious streak in me. I have an enormous ambition to be liked. And if you care about that, then you inevitably, you know, it's this very big contradiction where I desperately want to be liked, uh, but at the same token, actually don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. And in that um, constant tension has created uh, a practice of self-awareness. But you have to care a little bit what everybody, what somebody thinks. Like there, there has to be some level of I respect giving. what right. people think because it's their opinion. Right. But I could never make a decision of my life based on somebody who has no idea who I am. Mm-hmm. Guys, yeah. Your mother doesn't know who you are completely. It's true. <laughs> this is very true though, right? Like, like if you think about it, right? Like you take the five to seven people that you are closest to on earth and then you, if we, all, uh, there's a bunch of people in the room right now, if you really do this, this is super interesting to me, and you actually think about what they don't know, how the hell is a friend or an acquaintance or a random comment gonna know what the hell, like, and that's mm-hmm. it. That's real life to me. And right. so how in the world, in a world where I know that to be true, can I let somebody else dictate my decisions? Cause they're not dealing with all the information. They're right. just not, and, and by the way, the people closest to you usually have some vested interest in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Financially, emotionally, to brag about. Um, and so they're giving you bad data. Your parents are giving you bad information because they oh, care about what they're telling their sister about you, what they're saying about you at the country club, what another alpha mom in the neighborhood's gonna post on Instagram about you if you do this thing. They're insecure too. Right, do you, have you ever looked at a commentary about what you're doing, either good or bad, and thought, I'm taking that to heart, even if it's something. Of course, I love feedback. Um, I just don't blindly, I take pieces of it. 
Right, you just wanna decide what you agree with. Somebody's comment on my Instagram post is based on one minute of a clip of a conversation. They don't have the full context of even that conversation, let alone me as a human, so I have to take it with a grain of salt, but it doesn't, just being insular doesn't mean you become delusional and become so self-centered that you can't hear feedback. Right, for sure. You talked about just self-awareness and how like you need to be liked, but you also don't care. When did you come to that? Like, when did you come to that awareness? Was that probably in my late thirties when I started becoming more popular? But then it allowed me to rewind and realize, oh, that's why I didn't drink alcohol in high school. Oh, that's why I was the biggest cast clown, but my teachers liked me because I wanted to make everybody laugh and I wanted the attention. But I'm a nice person, and I felt bad for the teacher if I was too disruptive. So I had this great kind of like perfect fine line of like what I think is a. admirable class clown that disrupts. You know, like, it's, in my late 30s, I started doing a history lesson on myself and things became more obvious to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we always say that, like, it takes time to learn yourself. By the way, I apologize. By the way, I want to share this because I don't want this to all be a rah-rah session. It also allowed me to understand the reason I didn't give critical feedback and radical candor was because I don't like confrontation. I don't like negativity. And the reason I would surprise people girls that I broke up with, employees that I fired. My shortcoming in my 20s and early 30s was predicated on the same thing and so I had to work on that. How did you actively work on it? Therapy? Practice. <laughs> Not therapy but, but practice. Yeah. Like doing things that were uncomfortable to me. Giving negative feedback along the way. I adore Alex, right? <laughs> I'm looking right at her. In the last week or two there's things that I've told her that I want done better and, and I hope she would tell you that I'm not yelling. I'm like trying to deliver with honey. Like, right? Even when, you agree when I come with you with something, I'm almost being a little passive, right? She has. But I wasn't even willing to do that years ago. Right. You know? How did you learn how to manage people and give feedback? And... Practice. You know, I got thrown into it early in a family business. So by 18, being the boss's son, even though I didn't have a managerial position, everybody, you know, the stock boys in the liquor store knew who my dad was, right? And so mm-hmm. like it, car- it immediately, but I also was over empathetic. I did the, the thing I always teach kids that go into family businesses, which is walk in with humble pie. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're fucking the, in the lucky sperm club and like you're, you know, in, you know you're hap- you happen, your mom happens to have this business and you're the daughter, these people that have been working here have been working their ass off for five or ten years. You don't know shit. Nobody gives a fuck about your opinion. So like, calm it down. Uh, that's what I did. That really helped me win over the ten people that worked there. Wasn't a big company, uh, but but um, practice. I you know and I'll, and by the way, some of this is DNA. Like I was always a leader on teams. I was a leader in my neighborhood. I was like I was the class president in fifth grade. Like I like it. Goes way back. Yeah, it goes way back. So then, what was the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received in your career? It's actually an extremely raunchy piece of well, a couple things. My dad gave me great advice, which is your word is your bond. So I was a salesman and so that meant embellishing slash lying was part of the equation in my youth. Mm -hmm. And I've become far less of that, which is amazing, because that helps, Mm -hmm. especially in this transparent world. So thank God for that, huge. But I always think about this. There was a super raunchy 80-year-old liquor salesman when I was 15 that came up to me and said something super inappropriate. And I don't remember what the context of why he was saying it, but the saying was, 
kid, you don't know what you have until you sleep with it. <laughs> and it was kind of like the, what he, it was a very Jersey 80 year old mobster <laughs> talk, but what he was basically saying to me is like, look, don't overthink this. Until you go through it, you won't know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was actually, if you think about this interview, I talked a little bit about that already, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you can't overthink it up front. Right. Like you, you just can't. Like we're always wrong because you know, there's a great Russian saying that says man thinks and God laughs. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how I think about stuff. Like, I can have a million plans and then tomorrow a helicopter can go through the building that we're in, right? Like yesterday yeah. in New York. Like, I just, you know, that's the extreme, but in the micro business, I can be like, okay, Jason's gonna do this on this huge project in a month and you know, something might happen to Jason's family where he has to go home for a month. And I fucked it up, you know? Right. Or like, Jason will fall in love and like has to move to Ohio. Like, I don't, like, I, <laughs> No, I think about this stuff, yeah. that, like as a true operator, I think about this a lot. Right. And it helps me be, by the way, I think if anybody's listening right now, it speaks to why I'm not super anxious. I, I know that I'm in control of nothing, which almost automatically by nature makes me capable of controlling everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big thing. I have trouble well, I like that one. releasing control. You like that one? <laughs> yeah. Super interesting to me. It's a yeah. huge, it's a huge yeah. vulnerability. For sure. Because you're not in control. The fuck are you in control of? Literally nothing. Would you consider nothing. yourself a spiritual person? I feel like that's in a very hind- spiritual yes, thing. Yes, I think over the last half decade, I'm like, mainly because I read feedback. Mainly because like, Buddhist monks email me and they're like, hey. And you know, like. You gotta calm down. Like, no, like, <laughs> hey, like you're, at, you may not look like it, but you're way more zen stoic, you know, spiritual wow. than I'm, you know, like. And I'm like, am I? You know, like people are like shooting, like you're a blah 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 blah, and I have to like Google it and be like, <laughs> very common balance of extreme, you know. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so yes, I think in hindsight, it's something I would have never said yes to five years ago, um, but I would say yes. Let's pivot to content for a second, since you are obviously a, someone who puts out a lot of content. So something you say is that people should be a human that puts out more content than me. I'm know. not. I don't think like maybe so. like a 13 year old. I don't think so on her Instagram. (laughs) I think I actually may be the one. I don't know. Sammy said 13 year olds on Instagram. I mean on Snapchat. Maybe them. (laughs) Maybe them. I'm in it with them. (laughs) TikTok, I'm rolling guys. I got a cartoon on YouTube Kids. Like I'm rolling. Anyway, go ahead. So something you say a lot is that people shouldn't be afraid of putting out content. They should just go for it. Yes. How do you balance that with like protecting your brand and being careful and putting out a lot of high quality when you're just, when someone who's inexperienced wants to put out a lot? predicate on the audience, not on your subjective insecurities. Meaning what? Meaning high quality doesn't exist. The audience gets to decide, not you before you put it out. That's a great point. I mean, to me, a meme about the NBA, like putting Steph Curry's head on a scene from a movie is high quality. As is Star Wars 9. So I think who gets to decide high quality is the audience, not you. I think that's insecure. Perfection is disguised for insecurity. And so I think there's a lot there. Um, and you know, back to being safe or protecting your brand, you're the one putting it out. Mm-hmm. It's right. no different than talking. Like don't use bad words that offend people and you'll be safe. So 
I, I don't mean safe in the sense of like got not it. not got controversial. It. I got mean it. like you try something you, and you try something else, and it might end up that you're kind of shooting from the hip rather than being really thoughtful about it. The alternative is the world we live in now, where everybody's posting things that they know are going to work on Instagram for likes, and nobody's actually being creative anymore, and everybody's being a PR agent of themselves and isn't telling the truth and isn't being creative and isn't taking risks. So yeah, I'll go with one. So then, what about oversaturation? You talk about posting can't do fifteen. It. You can't, get o- you can't get oversaturation. You're not no. reaching, I have 6.1 million followers on Instagram. I post, I put out, reaches only a fraction of that. What about people who are trying to grow their, so is it worth it to try to grow your social media account right now? It depends on what you're trying to achieve in life, right? Oh, I, I, think, I think it's worth trying to amass attention mm-hmm. so that you can achieve all the things that you'd like to achieve as a person, whether that's capitalistic or altruistic or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. Um, a lot of people talk about morning routines, but yes. not a lot about night routines. Yes. What's be- your night routine? I believe in night like? routines. I, I come home and I pass out. <laughs> how much, how much do you sleep? Six really? to eight hours. Oh, that's really? more than I would have thought. Yeah. Do you wake up in the middle and then like do things and then go back? You'll love this. <laughs> uh, the second I fall asleep, I will not wake up until I wake up. Would your team agree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would. I think they would. Like, only because I'm probably on different time zones than you. Like when Maybe. I when I like think about it. When I'm in New York, like you get nothing between twelve and six a.m. Yeah. I I'm I. You can steal my home. <laughs> you can steal my home. I'm out like a light when I go to sleep. Yeah. Um, I think sleep is super important. My, m- the big thing I think people are confused about with my hustle thing is it's what I'm do- when I'm awake mm-hmm. for the eighteen hours. It's in it's fucking insanity for eighteen straight hours. So like there's no relaxation time? <laughs> Have you? I'm Alex, am I book every single minute? Yeah. Every that, single minute. How does that make you feel? Amazing. Cause I love what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you ever go on vacation? Oh yeah. Okay, and I, do you pl- unplug for vacation yeah. or do you, okay. That's good. Well, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm going hard when I'm on the field. Uh-huh. Right. But, but you can really check out when you're yeah. asleep. Big time. All and right. vacation and weekends. If there's any one tiny piece of advice, tiny piece of advice you can give people that could change their day, what would it be? Call somebody that you haven't talked to in a year that you've historically enjoyed and just say, hey. Okay. I'm super into this one. There's something very weird about this thing that I just told you. Because I say it once in a while on social, the feedback I get is extraordinary. Reconnecting with a best friend. Like, humans are funny. Like you have a best friend for six years, one little thing changes, like a relationship, somebody moves, somebody gets a little bit busier at work. You just get into patterns. You don't even realize why you don't hang anymore. It's all good. You still have huge love for them. Right. And, and then, then this one phone call leads to drinks next Thursday, which leads to a positive relationship in your life that leads to good stuff. And the whole non-talking, you're like, I know she knows that we haven't talked in a while, but like, why isn't anyone making the or it's Or it's in a good way. Like, like I don't talk to my mom as much as I used to because I don't commute to Jersey anymore. It's, but we like almost are talking, like I'm almost talking to her right now. It's like simpatico that like, it's good, it's good, it's good. Mm-hmm. You may ha- it might be very healthy. You just have a good friend. You don't yeah. talk because you're just both busy and you're both happy and you don't need to check in on that person yeah. and babysit them. It's all good. That's why I think that call could be interesting. Well, I love that. Everyone Thanks, go call Thank someone. So Thanks for having me. Betches.